welcome you today. Uh, I'm filling in for our pastor who's in Colorado, be coming back today. I've asked David to help me though. David, if you will please to come. Uh, David and I are your pastoral care ministers. David's training me how to be a pastoral care minister, and I appreciate them, and we work together on that. Thank you, sir. You're a good assistant. <laughs> well, I heard you when you picked up your sermon, your bulletin today, and said, there's no notes on here. There's no outline. Well, that's my fault, too, so <laughs> I'll just take the blame today. We're going to begin by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, I don't know what all may be on your program there, but we're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I titled the message, The Church Stew, where I pastored out in the country. I used to make jokes about the old country preacher till I became one, and I quit telling those jokes. But anyway, uh, I pastored a church in the country, and once a year, we would have an annual fall stew. And uh, it was a big event. We would cook all day on the Saturday and under the oak trees with a log fire and all that kind of stuff and oak wood and uh, just an enjoyable time of fellowship together. And I thought about that as I was thinking today about the, uh, this message to share with you today. And um, of course, things have been changing pretty rapidly this week, but um, it's a message the Lord laid upon my heart. And uh, just as a little background, whenever we did the stew, um, we put the ingredients in, and of course you know that some of that uh, has to start earlier. We'd put the meat in a little ahead of time, and it would have to cook longer than the others, and then we'd add the other ingredients as we went along during that. And um, after a few years of doing that, we realized, okay, we can improve this a little bit, and we added some okra, and the little seeds floated up, and people thought that was things falling out of the oak tree, and so we had to adjust that. And then the lima, one day, we, one year we decided to do lima beans, and they can't cook as long as anything else would have to put them in at the last but all that came to me and I thought you know that's a lot like the church we can make an analogy about something like that now our youngest son is very mischievous he's a lot like his mother he's very mischievous in the things that he does what did he laugh at that for uh, I called Ms. Ms. Betty Works this week to check on her granddaughter after Wednesday uh, prayer time. She said her granddaughter that lives in uh, Germany had swallowed a nickel and it was caught in her throat. And so we had a special prayer for her. But I called her on Thursday to check on her, or maybe it was Friday. But anyway, she didn't answer. I think she screens her cell phones, uh, you know, from salesmen. So whenever I finally got an answer on the recording thing, I said... Did you know your warranty's about to expire and you need to update that and you've got 30 minutes to call me back and hung up. So anyway, she did call me after a while. We talked about that. But, uh, so, uh, but anyway, um, in the cooking of the stew, our youngest son was there and uh, we had one guy that was assault police. You know how this, when you're cooking outside, you've got these police that monitor certain things. He was assault police. You're not going to put much salt in that. You can't do that. And, uh, but our son, very mischievous like his mother, we had a box of Morton salt there. Well, as soon as that guy would walk off and do something, he would pour about a quarter of it out in the dirt someplace and come back and the guy would say, where's that salt? Anybody, by the end of the day, the salt box was totally empty. That guy was already having a heart attack. He never tasted the steward, but he just knew it was going to kill him dead because of all of that. <laughs> but he, he didn't do that. But, uh, you know, we put all kind of things in the stew and make it good. Well, uh, think about that in relationship to our church. We're going to come to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning, if you will. 
want to read verses 12 through 27 and to focus on that. It says, As the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we're all baptized into the body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, to have made all to drink of that one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. But if the foot shall say, Because I'm not the hand... Am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, is it not, I'm not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing? If the whole body uh, hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set members, every one of them, of the body as it has pleased him. And if they are all one member, well, where are the body? But now there are many members, but one uh, body. Um, and the eye cannot say of, uh, to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, these members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body, which think uh, less honorable, upon these we bestow an abundant honor, and have an uncomely parts that are more abundant comeliness. For out of our comely parts we have no deed, but God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacketh. Um, that there should be no schisms of the body, and that the members should have uh, the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or where one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Uh, think about that in relationship to the things about the stew. The body said, the church, the passage of scripture says that that's the way God has put the body, the church body together. And he's joined us from different members, different backgrounds, different places. And uh, even the Bible talks about Jesus calling people in the labors into the harvest. He said he hires some in the early morning and then some at noon and then some late in the evening. But even those that are hired late in the evening, they're still part of that body. And so as our church grows and we have memberships and some are new members, some are found members when the church started. I think Miss Clark's here, one of the founding members of Oakland Heights. But uh, God has added to us. But they're all part of that, uh, of the body that, that comes together. And as we think about that, uh, uh, even today, uh, we have some members watching uh, by television and, and on the uh, across the country, really, and we're grateful to have those, but we miss those members of ours that are not here, and I know some of them are staying out of precaution, but thankfully, uh, the virus is kind of getting under control, more people having the shots, and we're coming back together, and so we just encourage our members. Uh, some, of course, have health causes, needs that are staying uh, at home for a while, and that's understandable, but those others, we encourage you to come because I miss them. I miss the gentleman in my used to be Sunday school class. I guess if you're over 75, it can be a Sunday school class. But anyway, small group. Uh, the virus made it a small group. <laughs> I'm grateful for the three faithful men that came thick and thin and had me pound on them every Sunday for a year. Today we had eight. They were so happy. <laughs> Finally, we can share this around with others instead of just me. So those, uh, we miss you. We encourage you to come back and be a part of our family. We love you and want you to be a part of our fellowship. But notice what this passage of Scripture says. We call ourselves brothers and sisters. Um, 
people out where I live, I'm a volunteer fireman even on the radio, they just know me as Brother Mike. You could ask somebody who Mike Britton is out there and some people wouldn't have a clue. But you say Brother Mike, oh yeah, I know who Brother Mike is, but not Mike Britton. So we call ourselves brothers and sisters. But I want you to know what that passage of Scripture just says, we're more than brothers and sisters in the church. The Bible says we are a body. We come together. Yeah, we call each other brothers and sisters, and we are that in the Lord. But today as we come together, we are one body. We function together as a body. You're not just a distant relative. You're part of the body. And we need to understand that relationship to that. Now, as it talks about these things... Uh, it talked about these different parts of the body would, would be saying these different things to that. Let me just put it in the Mike Britton version of that, if you will, today. Sorry, Brother Holbert, I'm going to venture off here. <laughs> Straighten me out next week. But this passage of Scripture says that my hand can't look up here and say, yeah, brain, big head, you've got a lot of great ideas. But you know what you're fixed to do? You're going to stick me out in that bucket of grease over there and make me do something. I don't really like that, brain. Why don't you use some other part to do that? You get all the great ideas, but you stick me out here to do all the dirty work. Well, that'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it, for my hand to respond like that? But think about that in relationship in the church. We're a body, folks. And somebody would say, well, you know, this is my thing that I do, but I don't like that. I'd rather do something else over here. And I, I'm not going to do that because, you know, the think about, we talked about the ingredients all coming together. Think about the ingredients of the church that God has called together. We've got teachers. We've got choir members and singers and people that play the instruments and, and all these different things. Uh, we've got people that serve as deacons and go to the hospitals and minister in the nursing homes and uh, all kinds of things. And it would be ridiculous for the body to say, I don't want to do that. Or that's, I don't like what the head thought of or something like that. And, and be able to complain about that. Folks, we're a body. And if today we could come and see that and understand that, we're the parts that God puts out there and says, here's what you're doing. Here's your ministry. Here's your calling. And go out and do that and find the joy in serving the Lord in that way. Uh, we come together as doing that. So, just like the ingredients of the stew, I pray that we could see each other today as ingredients in the church, the church stew. We come together with our different skills, talents, and abilities, but we come together as a church to function. Not as separate members, but as all together. And it takes every one of us to do the function of the church. I mean, these have been busy times. I know you're aware of that. One day, the pastor and I had a funeral at the same time. He did one here at the church, and I did one across the road over there. And we did four uh, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe last week. We had four funerals going on during that week. These are busy times, and it takes all of us to be involved in that. One day, uh, uh, the pastor was, he was doing a funeral here. I was in Tyler. 
with the McNatt family for surgery, and David was visiting the hospitals locally to, to try to care for our members. And so there's a lot going on. All of us need to be functioning together. All of us need members. We've got people in nursing homes, and thankfully they're beginning to open up again. But they're needing people to just drop by and say, hey, how you doing? I'm just here to check on you and see and, and visit with you for a little while. Those people need that. They want that. And we're to be busy about doing those things. And that's the body coming together to do all these things that, that we're to do. Well, uh, we've talked about putting the ingredients in the stew. I want us to cook today. I, I gave this to Charlotte and said, uh, would you bring the stew for us? She didn't do that. So anyway, we're going to look. Uh, if you will turn to Luke chapter 10 at this time, the second part of this, and uh, I'm going to make a little transition here. <clears throat> Okay, we're going to transition this, if you will. Aren't you going to be glad when the pastor gets back and does a regular sermon? <laughs> this, guy, this poor fellow's not up there that senile, doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, we're going to transition this into the house of Mary and Martha. If you're looking at Luke 10, it's going to be verse 38. We're going to look at their life and Mary and Martha, and it still has to do with the stew. It's not a different sermon altogether. This is going to be the cooking area over here. This is going to be the chair that Jesus sat in over here in the home of Mary and Martha. Um, I put the Bible there to represent Jesus because it said the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that's going to represent Jesus in the home. Look at Luke chapter 10 beginning in verse 38 uh, this morning. Now it came to pass as when they went, he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her that therefore that she should help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, you're careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part. Uh, which shall not be taken away from her. And so we see the scene there. Jesus is passing by. Martha comes in, comes outside, and invites him to come in and have a meal. So Jesus accepts that. He comes into the house, and he's seated in the chair over here. So Martha is busy about cooking the church stew or cooking whatever the meal it is. And so she puts the ingredients in there, and she's stirring around. Now, I'm a inside the house in the cooking department I'm not now I, I cook but it's with logs and outside and a lot of smoke is the way I cook I don't know anything about that machinery into the house so I, I'm an outside cook type person but uh, I did some research you'll be happy to know that anyway about the cooking thing and I came up with these three names about the the cooking part the one is the simmer one is stew, and one is boil. Now, I don't know the difference between simmer and stew, but there is a difference, apparently. So, you that know how to cook, you can make up your own story about that. But anyway, so it begins the cooking over here. And, and that's, uh, Martha's over here making the stew. She's doing all the stirring and all that. And she looks over here, and Jesus is sitting here, and here's Mary at his feet. 
hot stove. Simmer? Is it simmering or stewing? Which is this? Anyway, she keeps looking over there. Finally, the stew comes to a boil. So does Martha. Now, find yourself in this story. You're in one place or the other. The heat, the simmer, the stew turns into a boil. If it boils over, you're in a mess. Uh, you ever boil something over in the, in the kitchen? Yeah, it's a mess, isn't it? Martha begins to boil over. What's the reaction? Take note of this now. It's important. It may represent your prayer life. Lord, don't you care that I'm over here cooking by myself, doing all this work? Have you ever asked the Lord? Lord, don't you care that I'm going through this? Don't you care that I'm hurting? Don't you care about this problem? This is the third thing that's happened in a row. Lord, don't you care? When we get into the stew and the simmer, it's easy to let it start boiling, doesn't it? But it goes beyond that. Don't you care? But I think she gets a little closer, don't you? What's the next part of that? Tell her to get up and get in here and help me, Lord. You ever do that to the Lord? Oh, no, I wouldn't do that. God, if you'll just take care of that person, if you'll just, Mike, 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 Britton, shut up, I can go eat, Lord. You know, and the, we do, don't we? When you start to boil over, we begin to give God direction as to how he ought to do, how he ought to run his church, who ought to be a part of it, who ought to be doing what and this, and, and, and how we're to sing, and how we're to sit, and the temperature, and all that kind of stuff about the building. Whenever I was pastoring at the church, I'd set the temperature. If I could get half of them freezing and half of them burning up, and I'd survey, say, how many of you too cold? How many is too hot? And if it's 50-50 and everybody raised their hand, I'd say, yes, I did it. Hallelujah, nobody's comfortable. <laughs> we got them on both sides. We got them on both sides of the issue. That was my goal. My wife's very mischievous, and she'd tell me to do things like that. I, almost, I, wanted, I wanted to put a fake thermostat out there and say, please adjust to your, your desire. Well, they'd twist that thing off in one week, wouldn't they? <laughs> But Lord, tell her, God, tell these people, tell that preacher, tell that musician, tell these people to do these certain things. When we begin to boil over, it comes from just a thing of, of worshiping God or complaining to telling God how he ought to be doing things on this earth. He knows how to do it, folks. He knows what he wants to do with Oakland Heights Baptist Church. He has a plan. He has a direction. He talks to our pastor. He gives him guidance. He gives him a vision. And we all buy into that to say, thank you, Lord, that you're moving in our midst and you have a plan for us. Oh, it may not be what I want to do. Maybe I'm over here stirring the pot instead of over there. But Jesus, God's got a plan for us. Martha, Martha, you're troubled and worried about many things. A lot of people are troubled and worried. A lot of people have gone on, but you know what? Being part of the body, whenever I read that in Corinthians a while ago, that's just not a local thing. I mean, somebody can leave and say, I'm mad, I'm upset, and I'm going someplace else, but they're still part of the body. If you become a Christian, you're saved. You're going to be part of the body. It doesn't matter where you go. You're still part of the body, and it's one body, and we're all part of that. 
So even though those fingers that got into grease and didn't like it to try to go someplace else, they're still part of the body and we love them. And there's no escaping that. But we try to tell God what, what He ought to do about these different things. But as we come to this, uh, He said, Martha, you're troubled and worried about many things. And He probably said, get that spoon out of my nose too. But anyway... He said, but Mary has chosen the one thing that's important. Let me just ask you today, what was the most important thing when you came here today? I taught my Sunday school, my small group today. I could say, that's the most important thing. I've got to go teach them. No, that's not the most. Those guys know the Bible good enough. They can teach me things. And they do many times in there. And I'm grateful for them. That's not the most important thing that I did to teach that. To come and preach today. To stand up here. Believe it or not, I prepared for this. This is a prepared message in my, my mind. It's just not something that popped into my head. This, I worked on this this week. But anyway, that's not the most important thing that I do here today. Josh led us in some wonderful songs and the, the special, uh, all that we had today was all beautiful. But that wasn't the point of it. The point is worship. Would it be embarrassing if we had to give an account of how much we really worshiped when we came here today? And I know I've probably taken away from part of that. But anyway, we're here to worship God today. It doesn't matter what the songs are, what the temperature is to worship God. We get caught up and we're a lot like Martha and, and doing all the things that we've got to do. That's not right. And this isn't and that isn't. But what Jesus wants is for us to be at his feet. Can't you imagine? Mary didn't give God any instruction, did she? She was worshiping at his feet. Hearing his words learning and growing and worshiping Him. She didn't have a complaint. She didn't say, Martha, you're going to need to hold it down in there. We're trying to worship out here. She didn't say any of that because she was in the Lord's presence. And that's what He has for each of us today, to come and to worship when we come into this place. To say, Christ is here and the songs were worshipful today. But we could just say them and do the words. I mean, my father brought me to church from, and parents brought me to church from I'm probably straight from the hospital. I don't know. But I went all my life to church. When we doing songs, well, we don't have hymnals anymore. Sorry about that. Bad illustration. But anyway, I never, I never had to look at the words or look in a hymnal. I knew all the words to the song. Uh, I shouldn't tell this, but I can't help myself. My wife made me do it. On the way in today, we were listening to Christian radio, and there was a song came in, and I said, what is that new song? I've never heard that one before. And I don't like new songs. And it was, Josh, help me here. He walks with me and talks with me. What's that song? I said, I never have heard that. In fact, I asked, you know that song? And he, I can't sing, walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm his own. And so I asked my wife, I said, hey, who's Andy in the Bible and all that? And she said, Andy, I don't know who Andy is. He said, well, that's what that lady's singing about. And she said, what? And I said, yeah, listen to it. Andy walks with me and he talks with me. I said, I don't know who Andy is. So anyway, these new songs, you're just going to have to not sing them anyway. But uh, we can tell the Lord what to do. Folks, we need to come and worship Him. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise. 
He loves us today. He gave His life for us. We studied about that in our small group while ago. Jesus going to the cross and giving His life so that we could have forgiveness of sins. He's worthy of all of our worship and our praise. We're to come and to, to do that today. Did you find yourself? Are you Mary or Martha today? Where are you? Did you come and really worship? Just be at the feet of Jesus, Lord. I, it doesn't matter what that guy's trying to say. I, I've got your word here. I can, I can see you. I know I need to be part of the family, and I, I need to worship you. And Lord, I want to I do that today. I'm here to praise you, to worship you. Uh, ben Jr. and I were talking um, this week, and he, he said something, and I, I needed to catch up with him before the service so I'd get it right, so I'm not going to get that right either, but I'm going to try for it. But he said that... Uh, we, and this is not what he said, but it was close to this. We worship at our play and play at our worship. Something generally, that's probably my version of that anyway. But just think about that today. We worship at our play. The things of our leisure become most important to us, don't they? We give the most attention, the most time to, and all that. Just look at the sports. I don't know many preachers that signed a new contract this year for... $28 million. I don't think our pastor did. But anyway, uh, but those sports guys can do that. All those people can. We worship in our play and we play at our worship. And that goes on. But folks, this is not a time to play at our worship. These are crucial times. And I think you're aware of that. I think you know that these are crucial days that we're in. And our own church family we got people that are hurting. I mean, just all kinds of funerals and hospital visits and things that are going on that we can hardly even get to all of them. The schedule is just, how can I get to these three? Mr. Denise is here today, but went Friday, right after the, whatever that thing was, on Thursday, and went, you know, to have this stress, chemical stress test done, waiting on the results of that. We've got all kinds of things going on. These are critical times in our church that we need to come together, love together, support together, and care together. But it's also a crucial time in our world, isn't it? You seeing the things that are going on in Israel, in Gaza? My wife and I have been to both of those places. I'm one of the few people that actually got to go into Gaza. In fact, I've preached in Gaza before. And there's a Gaza Baptist church in there, but rockets are going back and forth. Folks, you realize how critical that is? This could be the next war to end it all. I mean, people are going to line up one way or the other if that isn't settled pretty quick. And it could be the next greatest catastrophe to end it all. I'm serious about that. I'm not setting dates or times or anything like that. I just want you to be aware of how crucial, how crucial these times are. It's not a time for the church to be playing and worried about the things that don't matter. It's time for the church together to be the church and rise up and write the church of God and send it on its way out into the world to reach the lost. There's people that are dying and going to hell all around us, wherever we go, that need to hear that message of great love that Jesus died for them. And quit trying to be right in His face and say, God, I don't like that. But just to say, Lord, we want to worship and we want to share Your good news with others. How much hot water are you in today? How's your, how's your cooking going along? Are you up to a boil yet? <laughs> so it's doing and simmering. Sometimes we just need to 
take a breather, don't we, and come and worship Him today. Uh, as we come to this time today, on a, well, I, another point, uh, I'm, as you know, I'm involved, most of you, some of you know, I'm involved in disaster relief ministries where I have the opportunity to go all over the world in times of disaster. And some of you, Brother Don and others, and my wife and I have gone to places, uh, went to Sri Lanka after the tsunami hit, uh, right after that, I went to Haiti after the earthquake, went into Gaza uh, during a war to try to minister to people and preach there and to Israel and to New York and after the towers went down and get to go all over. One of the things that stands out first was earlier in my ministry and disaster relief, we went to Gerald, Texas, that killer tornado that came through. Not the first one, but the second one killed 38 people, half of them school-aged children. They called and said, Mike, we need you to take your unit and go down there to Gerald, Texas. They need... Uh, this was like at about 4.30 in the afternoon, I guess. The tornado hit at 3.30. I've got clocks that show it whenever the power went off and stopped those clocks. to know exactly what time it came through there. But said, you need to go through, go up there and get ready and cook breakfast for those search and rescue people in the morning and the people of that town. So we drove during the night through a, that storm that hit them, came sweeping up through us, terrible lightning, but we made it through there to be able to minister to them that next day, trying to get some meals together. The first thing we did whenever we got there, there was a delegation from Dallas that came and said, <clears throat> all right, the first thing you need to do is we need to come together and have prayer. And I said, are you kidding me? We drove all night to get here. I don't have time to pray. Oh, God taught me. <laughs> God learned me a little bit after that bold statement that I made. I realize now we can do nothing but pray. I mean, that's the priority of that. But I said, oh, we've got too, got too much to do. we got too busy. Uh, we've got to do this. But then, as we progressed on there a few days, and this gentleman comes by, different people, parents, school had let out the day before, and those children were at home. Had it happened the day before that, they would have been in school, and it wouldn't hit with a tornado. Those children were at home in a subdivision by themselves and killed 18 of them in that tornado. Parents were hurting, said, my child is apparently in that freezer trailer over there. They won't let me go see him. What do you say to somebody like that? You don't say, well, I didn't like the, I didn't like the stew. You don't say that. You dig down deep inside, and if Christ is not in there, alive in your life, you have nothing to offer. I couldn't say anything to them from my own experience, my own life. But Christ in me had a message for those people. This man came up that was uh, the coroner having to give death identifications. He said, Mike, pray for me. I just came back. I had to identify the lady in the cafe that serves me coffee every morning only by a hand and a ring. I had to identify her. And they're calling me back to do more. Mike, I can't do that. What can I do? Christ in you has got to be alive where you can say to that person, Jesus is sufficient. He'll empower you. Trust Him. Allow Him. He'll give you the words to say and the things to do. But if we're playing church, none of that comes into effect. Folks, these are crucial times. God needs us now. The world needs us. And we must take that message from here. Doesn't matter about anything else. It doesn't. 
the stew so it gets a few acorns in it and everything else. That's good protein I hear. I don't know. We need to be at Jesus' feet worshiping Him and seeing Him. And we're going to come to a time of invitation in just a little bit, I think. I don't know. Where's that red light? I never have preached long enough to get a red light. That burned me up. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to come in a time of invitation in just a minute. I'm going to ask Josh after a while to come, and, and we're going to just sing a, a verse of Scripture. But before we do all of that, <clears throat> just a little background. Most of us in here know about Stuart Lithcomb. Stuart used to be here, uh, our graphics guy, printer, and things like that. Very talented young man. Uh, poor Kevin and Susan, members of our church. Mr. and Ms. Stuart, normally here. Uh, grandparents of Stuart. Uh, I'm sure it's not news to you, but everybody knows that Stuart has some very critical health needs. Very, very critical. Um, our pastor's there. That's where he and Becky went to minister to the Lithcombs where he needed to be. Uh, asked me to fill in for him, which, by the way, makes you appreciate him whenever he gets back in his preaching. But anyway, so I'm doing that today. But he's flying back this evening is my understanding. And then Stuart's coming back by private plane um, and, and the Lithcombs tomorrow to Longview, my understanding and then Thursday, he's going to MD Anderson to try to see what's going on. Folks, that family needs our prayers. For those listening around the countryside, you may not know who Stuart is. You may not know the Lithcombs, but you know our church. And some from New Mexico that are very much aware because that's where they came from. That family needs our prayers. Stuart needs our prayers. It's not time to play church. It's time to lift one another up the hand, the feet, the eyes, the ears, all of us to come together to say, I don't care what my part is. I'm here to lift up the church and support the church. Those that have lost loved ones recently, how many deaths have we had, you know, in the recent weeks? We had four meals over here for loved ones, for family members who've lost loved ones recently. So we need to pray. And we're going to have just a time. I've asked him to just sing one verse. You will sing one verse of invitation. If you want to come and pray for Stuart and his family or just to say, Lord, I've been playing church. I hadn't been worshiping. I've been over here stirring in the pot and I need to come and worship from now on. I'll do that. But just one verse. We're not going to drag it out all day or try to beg you down here. But if you feel like the need to come and say a prayer, as long as there's somebody here, we'll continue to sing or to worship. And then we'll go after a while. So, Josh, if you will come and join me, and then we'll pray. Father, I just pray that my stam stammering, bambling, bubbling tongue, Lord, that your spirit could have touched some hearts today to say, wow, I've been over here stirring the pot. I hadn't been worshiping, but I want to do that, Lord. I want to worship you and it's not for me but it's for you father that we would come you gave your life for us how could we come as a church and play church and worship in our work and our playtime so father we want to worship you today hear our prayers oh how we pray for Stuart and the Lithcomb family how we pray for our pastor and Becky as they come back home and they may even be watching today but, Father, we just lift that up. For these that have lost loved ones, for those hurting today, we've got members of our family that has loved ones that their mind's in a fog and they deal with that every day, trying to 
minister and try to answer the same question all day long, Father. It becomes just such a, a heartbreak for them. Just encourage them today, Lord. We just come as a needy people and we need to support each other and hold each other up. So I pray that this church would do that. Father, hear our prayer today. Hear our commitment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.